Hello everyone and welcome to The Lucid Grind, a new series of conversations exploring how digital entertainment can enrich, educate and challenge us in ways that transcend the genesis of the medium as simple entertainment or escapism, in ways that might even surprise and inspire us as consumers and creators alike. Today I'm sitting down with Twitch and YouTube partner Final Fantasy XIV celebrity and closet weeb Michael, Mr. Happy Poveromo. Hello, Haps, Closet and welcome weeb? to the show. Really? Closet really? Weeb. I've watched like you... I've watched like 15 animes my whole life, and I'm a closet. Did you love the Goku's? I I was hearing what? you that doesn't go make on you about a, what that doesn't make you a weeb. That makes sure I, it does. I, fucking everyone watched Dragon Ball Z growing up. I didn't even know that was an yeah, anime. Growing you've up. seen all the Goku. <laughs> it was an anime. Yeah, cartoons were cartoons when we were growing up. Yeah, I didn't up. know what was. I didn't know what was an anime. I was just like, oh man, oh, they're man. staring at each other for three episodes. Episodes. Okay, have you have you seen the Persona three movies? That's I have seen Persona four, the Persona four animation, but only because I played right. only because I played the game. Right. And Persona three, yeah. Persona three, I never saw yeah. that one. Now you see, this is like um, when you accuse someone of being an alcoholic, and they're like, "I'm not an alcoholic. I only drink like three or four times a week." You know? No, that's. that's I have friends too. I just I had friends in New Jersey like Scotch. who were like that, and no, they were definitely alcoholics. Well, you see, that's what you sound like right now when you're denying being a weeb. That's not at all the same, but I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> let you think that for the sake of you thinking that. Anyway, so I, uh, I recently bore witness to your 1,000 Twitch subscriber milestone. Uh, I was actually personally hoping to be number 1,000. I think I came in and it was like 995 or something. Anyway, uh, congratulations. How's it, how's it feel? How's it feel? It feels good. Uh, it's something that shouldn't have happened in the time frame. Granted, the size of our uh, broadcast, the size of our channel, but uh, why shouldn't it have happened? Well, I mean, looking at it statistically, um, there are plenty of other broadcasters with way higher numbers, with uh, you know, way longer of a period of time to kind of reach these kind of goals, and they haven't hit it. And I don't think it's necessarily that means I'm a better broadcaster. I don't think that means mm. they're any worse. It's just st statistically speaking, I'm an anomaly. When it comes to that thousand, I'm grateful for it. And I'm very happy for it, but it's a surprise. I don't, I don't ever, I don't ever think that <laughs> I, I don't think I deserve it. it, but I'm happy to have achieved it. So why, why do you think that happened then? Um, I don't know. I think it's just that the, the games that I play are, they touch people in very appropriate ways, not inappropriate ways. Um, nostalgic. Uh, I mean, Final Fantasy, Square Enix products are a lot of people, even, you know, older people grew up with them. So I think there's a great sense of um, brand loyalty, people who are loyal to the mm -hmm. stream, people who um, appreciate it, who it legitimately puts a smile on their face. It's, I don't know that for certain. Uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't give you a definitive answer as to why I think it's happened because every time I think I've got it figured out, it's just something else happens that completely blows my mind. So um, <laughs> it's crazy. That's all I know. It's crazy. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful uh. for the people who have gotten the channel this far because it's just as much their channel as it is mine yeah i i think that's an interesting attitude and we'll come back to it the idea that that you feel like it's as much uh you know belonging to your your viewers and your subscribers as it does belong to you uh anyway what's the what's the next goal in your scopes at the moment what's next for mr happy um next is really to figure out what what is next believe it or not i know it sounds like a, a stupid thing to say but um, we've always kind of just known that the channel is for Final Fantasy XIV and I like to play different things occasionally, but it doesn't, to me, feel like the stream has much of an identity outside of that. 
And mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want it to be the only thing the channel is affiliated with forever. So, I mean, I've, I've tried over the years trying to come up with something consistent that makes its appearance on the channel that isn't exactly the same as everything I've done uh, prior. And sure. I want people to watch a stream and be like, I want to support the stream, not, oh, you know, it's been the same thing for X amount of years now. It's getting kind of boring to watch or, you know, I don't know if it's really interesting to me anymore. Uh, so there's, it, it's mostly about figuring that out. And I think that's a tough thing for any sort of, uh, what's the word I want to use? Anyone who became popular for broadcasting one thing and they want to broadcast something else, I think it's, right. I mean, even on YouTube, you know, when you, when people get to know you for one thing and you try to post something else, it's like, it either clicks or it doesn't. I mean, and as much as you probably built something up from the scratch, from scratch at the beginning, it's something that's really hard to do a second time. So, yeah, yeah. um, that's it, it, that's really what the the next step is is trying to figure out what's what are things that people enjoy you know what's something that's not just the game I'm playing that people come to the stream for and uh, it's been an interesting experience so far trying to figure that out because uh, I don't want to just shove things down their throat until something clicks uh, I want I want something that there's a pre or like there's something already preordained there that people enjoy and uh, it's looking like nostalgia is probably going to be the big thing, uh, looking at sort of how it's done, like Final Fantasy X and X-2, the HD remaster, sure. was one of the most successful streams we've had ever. And it's not wow. Final Fantasy XIV related at all. But it is Final Fantasy related, so does this maybe my thing just I play games that... Play HD remakes and stuff like that. Yeah, I play games that have a nostalgic value to people. Okay. Uh, but it's it's something that's still ongoing. And on top of that, we just want to try and keep around a thousand. We're below a thousand right now by like one. I think it's at nine ninety nine right now. But that was expected because Ooh. whenever you have a huge surge like that, you you can't kind of expect it to stay. No, it's it's not sustainable. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could say that about my entire journey up to a thousand. When we got over five hundred for the Heavens Ward launch, we were like, you were saying the same. I was thing. saying the yeah. same thing, and now I'm at a thousand. <laughs> it's like it, it doesn't make sense to me as the person doing it, but it's there and it is what it is. And, uh, I have to do my best. It's not about them and them. It's not their responsibility. It's my responsibility mm-hmm. to make sure that it stays where it is. Okay. Or it goes, uh, or goes above and beyond. Sure. So basically everything you've managed to pull off in the past few years, it's a, it's a huge inspiration myself, no doubt a good number of other aspiring YouTubers and streamers. But what we're here to talk about today is actually something that was happening a long time before the Mr. Happy brand was even conceived. We're going to dive in the deep ends. That's what the show is all about. So I hope you realize what you signed up for. <laughs> no, I, this is a complete uh, surprise to me. <laughs> So people tend to know of you in the public sphere, right? As a pretty confident and extroverted, perhaps even boisterous kind of guy. But this wasn't always the case, was it? Nope, not at all. So how would you describe the awkward teenager, Michael Poverano? Awkward teenager, awkward, I guess, first 19 years. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, I was always someone who was just knee deep in video games. And when I say that, I literally mean it like for Christmas when I was six years old, I got like literally a knee (laughs) pile of video games as because that's all I wanted. It's like clothes. The the clothes work from last year. It's just I haven't grown more than an inch or two and I buy them big anyway. So um, it was a lot of trying to fit in growing up. And that was kind of why I got into games in the first place. It was something that even if I didn't necessarily see eye to eye with somebody, I could Mm -hmm. on that level 
Um, I was always really competitive with friends when it came to games, not necessarily with strangers, because it was always that mm -hmm. friendly banter. You know, if anyone's played Super Smash Brothers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Or Mario <laughs> yeah. Party, either of those games. Like, you know what it means to be competitive with your friends if you played those games. Uh, and that was my way of kind of creating a social standard for myself. And it worked uh, mm -hmm. as my years went on. You know, in middle school, I would say I maybe at most had four close friends. But I got along with a vast majority of people. It's just I wouldn't necessarily say, like, I, there were people that you would talk to at school, but you would never really see them ever outside. You'd never hang out. Like, it was just like, oh, you know, cool, sure. what's going on? Are we sit next to each other. What the hell, why not? And as I got into high school, I found myself in... Uh, larger and larger friend groups, uh, but it was all you know affiliated with video games. I mean, most of my friends I made in high school, I made because we had a Dance Dance Revolution club, and I had spent years and years and years playing Dance Dance Revolution. So, uh, you know, it was a big social thing for me. I met maybe fifteen friends through that that I kept all throughout high school, um, and that was really what wow. video games were to me. They were my means of being social, and they still do. Right. They still are. And some, and no matter how you look at it, as a broadcaster. You in some way want people to notice you. You want people to be social with you because otherwise why would you share your experience with anyone else when you could just keep it to yourself? That's a really um, really strange thing for a lot of people to hear is that video games are being a, a catalyst for social behavior. So did you find there were times where you couldn't use video games to socialize with people around you? Yeah, plenty. In, uh, in school mostly, I mean, there in school it did work and it didn't work because as soon as people knew you as the guy that likes that was your sole interest video games you immediately there's there are groups of people you just immediately don't get along with you know mm -hmm. um a lot of and i know this is going to sound very stereotypical but at least where i grew up with not a lot of women were into video games so i kind of had to keep <laughs> that part separate like i was even though it was a part of me i didn't necessarily go sure. around boasting it when i was meeting, you know, girls growing up. I had my fair share of girlfriends, but the majority of them came when I couldn't pay for my Final Fantasy XI subscription. So, <laughs> uh, and then a lot of the times it was like, it was really hard for me to- There must have been cheap dates. I mean, if you were spending less on them than you were on your Final Fantasy XI sub. Yeah, well, I mean, this, I mean, it was great hanging out on the couch, you know? Um, mm. So, yeah, a lot of it came down to that. And then a lot of times uh, jocks, well, they played video games. It wasn't necessarily something. They, they understood being competitive, but they didn't understand being competitive with that. I had a lot of arguments regarding esports and how seriously it should be viewed growing up with a lot mm -hmm. of the jocks in the school. Um, mm -hmm. And I always made them look like a fool because they were always, it was, there was a level of ignorance that came from them that didn't come from me. And of course. Uh, that's, those are mostly the people that it absolutely did not help me with, but I didn't care because it was who I was. Well, um, that, that perception towards esports and, and whether it's uh, equivalent to, you know, quote unquote, actual sports is a perception that I feel is, is really beginning to change. Um, do you, so do you feel that when you were removed from, I guess, this social lifeline of video games, were there, there certain things that you remember not being able to do or not being able to overcome that were particularly frustrating at the time? I just found myself not caring about things that weren't video game related. Like, for example, mm -hmm. I did chorus uh, growing up for four years. Um, and a lot of the time, my fellow, you know, everyone else in the choir wanted me to be on ensemble. And mm -hmm. they were like, why don't you do ensemble? And I said, because I don't care. 
Like, I don't, it's not something I want to put effort into. I'm not going to be a singer. I'm not going to put this on my resume. I'm not, I don't care. Am I going to put video games on my resume? Yes, actually, because I was trying to go to school to be a designer. And so having more experience in games meant understanding more, understanding different dynamics, having ideas. To me, it had value. Whereas doing other things like sports and, uh, and, and ensemble, they, they didn't because it, it wasn't anything that was going to change my future. Um, mm. so I found myself having trouble completing tasks that were unrelated unless absolutely necessary, like a school product, a school product, school project. I would always be the guy who would be like, Oh, no one on the team's doing anything. Well, I will, I'll just get it done. I don't care. We got five people on the team. I'll get this done without them because they're too, they're too lazy to do it. I don't want to do it, but I have to do it to get to the next, okay. to get to the next thing. So I don't shy away from a challenge, but there's not really a whole lot I can do at the same time. Do you feel like that has changed uh, in recent years? Do you feel like you're motivated by other things that are not video games? Uh, I'm motivated by my girlfriend and by yeah. uh, my family and by my friends, but I still have trouble to this day even affiliating with things. Like if I go out to, to meet people and video games aren't the topic, I have very little to say. Like that's how much okay. video games are ingrained in my life. I just okay. I can't have a very good conversation with people unless they lead the conversation. Like they ask me about the weather. They ask me about, uh, you know, do I like sports? Like they, if I'm asked a question, I'll answer it. But I'm never the one initiating it if it's not about video games. And a lot of the time, I don't want to initiate it about video games because I don't want that to be the only thing that I have to bring. <laughs> I don't want them to realize that's all I got. <laughs> Yeah. All right. I know the feeling. Um, so I've heard you, I've heard you credit a lot of your sort of social growth, uh, to your experiences with a particular game, uh, Final Fantasy 11. Mm -hmm. And this is at a time when video games, MMOs in particular, uh, I mean, they were generally associated with, you know, with introversion, with antisocial behavior, uh, even more than they, than they are now. So what do you think it was about Final Fantasy XI that helped you develop these, uh, these sort of uh, social skills? I think the biggest thing, it's the same reason why people go to a sports game. It's the same reason why people go to you know, a, a concert. They're all there for the same thing. They, right. they, you have now put a bunch of people that at least have one aligned interest in the same place. And right. it's way easier to socialize with someone when you understand that everyone else there has at least one of the pretext has. Yeah, it's, it gives you a little bit of, uh, of, of pretext or pretense to um, to who you're interacting with. So, I mean, you'd still you don't know you don't get along with everyone in MMO. You know, you can't like you're never going to get along with everyone, but you're far sure. more likely to get along with somebody who's playing an MMO that you're playing than you are with somebody who is, you know, you're a guy who plays video games and you go to a, a, a Yankees game. Like, you're, you're yeah, just, you're not, the odds are you're not necessarily going to get along with that same person. You could, you could just have different hobbies, but that initial breaking of the ice to find a friend is very yeah. difficult if there's no common ground. Okay. So while you were playing Final Fantasy XI, did your friends or family notice you spending, you know, hours every day grinding away in Volcom Dunes uh, and assume that this habit was doing you more harm than good? Absolutely. Uh, even going into when I started doing Twitch broadcasting, um, my family, they still don't really understand it, but they kind of see that it works. So mm -hmm. they just don't question it, I guess, is the real thing. 
um, and they mm. support it more so. But when I was first starting, uh, when I was doing hours upon hours upon hours, right, stream, you know, I stream for five hours, then I'd record for five hours, then I would uh, go back to streaming for another five hours, then I'd go to sleep. They wouldn't see me for days on end unless it was for me coming to get something to eat or going to take a shower, or brush my teeth. That was the extent of my interactions with them when I first started doing that. And they didn't think it was healthy. They didn't know what to expect of it. But eventually what happened was, uh, and they realized this about my entire childhood because they had thought that obviously me spending all those hours uh, on the game itself until I get to, like I said, about high school when I started meeting people through not just Final Fantasy XI, when I meet, met people through mm -hmm. like Dance Dance Revolution and we would just, it were people that got along with because we all played video games. Um, they realize that if it's something that you're passionate about, something you really want, you'll spend time. Because my father, he's owned many restaurants when I was young. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he ran businesses and he understood. And so eventually he kind of just affiliated it with that. Like, well, I remember when I was when I was running my restaurant, the amount of time I had to put into it was a lot. And it seemed like I didn't care about other things, but it was just what was what I was passionate about is what I was putting all my time into. So he, right. he eventually affiliated it with that. And then, you know, same, okay. same with sports, people who really passionate about sports. What do they do? They watch, you know, it's like someone watching sports and then saying, why do you waste your time watching TV? You know, it's kind of yeah, the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And more, more over time, the people that I at least know have become more have been able to affiliate more with that looking at how they handle the things that they really enjoy it's just that my thing is video games and there's that stereotype there so once that okay. was broken down it became a lot more acceptable to the people around me that makes sense i i've i honestly have had a similar experience uh with my with my grandfather who's a, a real hero of mine he was a uh he was a commentator and a broadcaster uh, for sports actually did like Olympic commentating and cricket commentating and stuff like that. And uh, being able to connect with him recently and sort of draw parallels between what I'm doing and what he was doing as mine being the sort of future digital equivalent. He's, you know, been getting really excited about that. So I, I definitely, um, I empathize with you there. However, do you think that your family were, were right to any extent? Do you think that there were any uh, other parts of your life that were being neglected during this period? Um, I won't lie, hygiene, definitely. Like, I was the kind of person <laughs> who would uh, who would just, like, grab bags of snacks and just leave them around when they were empty, and then, like, right. once a week, maybe, I'd, like, stick them all in a bag and throw them out or something. But, right. um, yeah, I'd say there were definitely parts of my life that were neglected or didn't get my full attention, but I still made sure that they got done. Like, for example, I had, uh, in college, I had a lot of roommates, and we uh, we were all gamers. I went to a tech school and we were all nerds in some respect. And so one thing that I did is I was someone who wouldn't study and I would only do projects within three days of them being due. And I had right. a 3.93 GPA out of a four. <laughs> so that worked really well for me <laughs> as much as it Obviously. probably shouldn't. And they hated <laughs> me for that. Like, you know, those ads you see on like porn sites are like, you know, doctors hate him. Pretty much, it was the equivalent of that. No, no, I don't. Yeah, no, you don't know that. No, I don't know what you're sure talking you about. No, I don't know anything about that. Absolutely not. Not with it's your not. internet, anyway. But um, no. anyway, so yeah, it was it was kind of along those lines where it looked like things were suffering, but I still got the job done. It just mm -hmm. I didn't use the same amount of time. I, I used time more efficiently, so, so I could play video games more. <laughs> basically, sure. Okay, that makes sense. Do you, do you think that you would have uh, addressed these things better if you weren't so invested in this in this fantasy world? Or do you think you were just like naturally 
that way inclined. I think I was naturally inclined that way. Uh, in college, we had to take mm -hmm. what was known as the 60-second exam, where you were given all of your study notes for the exam, and you were only given 60 seconds to study for it, and then you had to take the exam, and you had five minutes to, okay. to take it. I got a 92 on that exam. <laughs> I imagine I imagine you would love that because even if you were given more time, you probably would have only taken 60 seconds anyway, right? Pretty much, yeah. I would have just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's exactly how it is. I, I pretty much uh, only, I was I was the minute man of studying, pretty much. Okay. Uh, and I, got a, I was the only person in the entire exam that passed it because I just function better under that pressure. Like, I don't look at it as, oh my God, I'm nervous. I look at it as, all right, 60 seconds, what can I do? Do you think that uh, the, those skills, the, that, that you had any skills you picked up from your gaming, uh, I guess your gaming career that informed your ability to do that kind of thing in an exam situation? Well, a lot of the times you're not given very much time to respond to an issue. In video games, mm -hmm. you're presented with a problem and sometimes you're given as much time in the world to solve it, but sometimes you're not given much time at all. So I have a feeling that getting to know how to solve problems faster was probably a pretty big influence on how I was able to solve, how I was able to study under those really short-term conditions. But it was also right. that when you're playing a game, I played a lot of story-related RPGs, and you kind of got to pay attention the whole time or things are, things are lost on you. Like you're going to forget, a, you don't want to forget a character, you don't want to forget a name, you don't want to forget a word. So it becomes how do I affiliate this one character with everyone else around him you know does he get mm -hmm. along with this person does he hate this person who's his enemy um and then when i get to uh everything else that i do in life it pretty much comes down to the same thing i affiliate one thing with everything around it for example if there's a math a math problem where uh you know i i guess i couldn't give an exact example and not have it make sense but let's say there's always where there's a, a six there's always a 24. You know, I've, sure. I put those things together and I just need to remember what went in between. And right. so when I see the six and the 24, I go, okay, there's a four in between that. And then I can just multiply them together. I do every, I do that with everything where I just remember so, everything. So I numbers of characters. Yeah. I mean, I just, I put, <laughs> okay. I put things together like that. I, I put like the way that I multiply, even going back to math, you know, when I do, when I see 17 times 17, I don't go, oh my God, what the hell is 17 times 17? I go with 17 times 10, what's 17 times seven and I'll add them together, you know? Sure. I, I piece it. I, I put it into pieces that are understandable and that okay. are comprehensible to myself. Okay. Now that's that's really interesting to me because uh, most people tend to think of video games as sort of this really passive experience. They don't realize how involved it is. They think it's something that just sort of washes over you and they don't realize like you say you're actually um you know working on logic and reasoning uh dexterity reaction times there there are skill sets involved right right and uh vocabulary was a big one i mean it was always great to sure. to to be the only person who understood certain words because i had to go out of my way to understand them <laughs> otherwise but without the influence of school and that's the thing like i remember so many words because i played fantasy games like eventually within vocabulary terms i would at some point run into a word that I would have never understood if not for having heard it before because of the just vast mm -hmm. amount of text that I have to read through or listen to. And uh, it, it, it informs me better as to what things are. Okay. Did you ever get any weird looks uh, getting around talking with this fantasy vocabulary? Uh, no, because I never spoke with it, but I always, I always okay. uh, maintained it. 
like I always I always right. kept it within my uh, my cranium. Hmm. So what was it that first drew you to the world of Vanadil? Uh, I so growing up, I played a lot of games, like a lot of games. But uh, one of the first ones that I played on my Super Nintendo, which was a hand-me-down at that point, was Super Mario RPG. And mm -hmm. uh, it was the I, that was the first RPG I ever played, definitely. Uh, it wasn't Chrono Trigger right. or Chrono Cross. It wasn't Final Fantasy 1, 2, or 3, which was 1, 4, and 6 because America. Um, it, was, it was Super Mario RPG. And I didn't play – I would say I probably didn't play any other RPGs between that and Final Fantasy 8. And wow. so this is this is your first RPG experience, and uh, incidentally, your first Square experience. Yes, and so eventually, what happened was I went to a friend's house, Alvin, and his older brother was playing Final Fantasy VII. He was fighting Ruby Weapon. That was my first ever thing I saw of Final Fantasy VII was somebody fighting right. and beating Ruby Weapon. And I wasn't my game, but I was like, wow, this. I remember I played uh, Super Mario RPG, and that was a lot of fun. And this is pretty much the same thing, but like way updated. So I yep. went home and it was about Christmas time. So I asked my family if they could get me Final Fantasy. I didn't remember that it was seven. So I just said, can you get me Final Fantasy? And they got you eight. And they got me eight, which was fine because it was, I didn't know there was an eight. So it was almost like a, a lot surprise. of people would be very salty. Yeah, but they wouldn't know. That. But see, they, they would be salty now. They wouldn't have been salty yeah. then. Nobody knew like the intricacies of how it was going to compare to seven. Like it was just like, oh, it's the next Final Fantasy, whatever. And so I played through eight and then I was like, okay. I love that. Now I gotta play through seven. Okay, play through seven. Okay. Oh, nine just came out. I gotta play that. And that was back when there were actually commercials for these things, and not every commercial right. was just Call of Duty with dogs. Um, so <laughs> I basically had that, and you know, just played them one after the other after the other. By the time I played eleven, I had played in this order: eight, seven, nine, five, six, ten, and then I played eleven. That was the order in okay. which I had I had played and experienced them at that point. So uh, it was just it was another Final Fantasy game. Somebody, one of my friends, Jason's like, hey, have you played 11? And I was like, no, I haven't. He's like, he's like, it's an online game. And I was like, really? I, I've never oh, been able man. to play online games because we've had dial up forever. Like, and I, yeah. and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, I, if I wanted to play Diablo, I had to go play it at a friend's house if I wanted to play it. What, what year, what year is this that we're talking this about? This is 2003. Okay. It's 2003. I still had dial up in 2003. Yeah. I, you wouldn't surprise me if you still had dial up now. But anyway, yeah. um, so uh, basically I asked for it for Christmas and all I asked for Christmas that year because that was basically how I asked for things that were expensive because we didn't have a lot of money by the time I was like 12 or 13 mm -hmm. is anything that was expensive that was being bought in the household was for Christmas. So I mm -hmm. asked, can I get this game and, an, and our internet service upgraded for Christmas? <laughs> that, was my, that was my ask. And um, I explained to my, my family everything. Uh, I had already tried to get a job at that point, and I could not get a job anywhere in our hometown, uh, despite the fact that the Burger King told me they don't hire 13-year-olds, but then they hired my 12-year-old Hispanic friend. Racism. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to say No, I was not even kidding. That's what happened. No, we don't hire 13-year-olds. He's 12. Shut up. That was pretty much the extent of it. Um, <laughs> and so... Uh, I, I, I get they get me the game. I plug it in. I plug in the friggin' hard drive to my PS2, whatever, and I can't play it. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't play it because we never got the internet. It was May of the next year, and mm. I suddenly I just decide I, I'm just gonna look at the box. And I look at the box and it says AOL dial-up compatible, and I was like, oh my god, I could have been playing this the whole time. And so I spent the next. 
10 hours pretty much installing it, updating it. I watched Rush Hour 2 three or four times that day because it was just the only movie that we had around. We didn't even have Rush Hour 1 around, so I couldn't watch both of them. <laughs> so I watched that movie back and forth, and I would just check it like every X amount of time, be like, oh, okay, it's okay, it's got another four hours left. Okay, it's got another hour and a half left. Oh, it's done. And that's that was my uh, that was my day. That was <laughs> that was my entire day. Wow. Yeah. And then I it was it was six AM and I started playing. And then my family woke up like an hour into that. It's like, why are you awake? And I was like, I just finished installing. And I didn't want to talk loudly because it was it was early. <laughs> and uh, yeah, welcome to Vanadeal, pretty much. Jeez. So when you when you got there, when you were in there, what got you so invested in that world? Uh, I had I met people like I, I used I within within five days like I already had like friends that I knew and I had real life friends that played it as well that got me into it um, and so I played with them and I got to know and I just started joining you know social groups and chatting to people and that's just that's just how I uh, how I got invested in it and I still see this to this day going back and looking at eleven I actually didn't have a lot of fun playing it it was literally just because I knew so many I, I talked to so many people while I was playing it that was like the sure. sole thing that kept me interested in it for as many years as it did okay so what about what about the escapism aspect were you finding that it was like a you know an ideal version of of life in there or that you Hell were no. being an ideal RPG version world of you. Suck. They got way too many things going wrong in there. I'm, really? When people ask me, hey, what Final Fantasy world would you want to be a part of? I go, none of them. Do you see the shit they got to put up with? I don't want to de- <laughs> I don't want to deal with none of those problems. They're like, no, no but, I, I agree with that. But you could go but in at and the you, same could kill, time. you could go in and you could kill Sephiroth. No, I'm not Cloud. He would kill me. That's the bottom. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I don't have these powers. What you think? I'm just, I'm there, so I'm good to go. Like, that's not how it works. So you don't really identify with the character that you're playing? Not so much. I just kind of take the story and I, uh, and I enjoy that. I don't want to be that character. I know it's a role-playing game. I in sure. no way want to deal with the hardships that character's dealing with, but... It's well, fun to me cool. to watch, and it's and it's fun to me to watch a story. It's like it's like my equivalent of reading a book. I hate reading books, okay. by the way, but in terms of this, like that is how I, you know, I, I look at it. Like it's so you don't think that you're getting any more absorbed and invested in the in the story of a character in a video game than you would in a in a novel or a film. No, I, it's just it's far more interesting to me to get to play that experience versus read about it. Hmm. That's interesting because I feel like that's uh, honestly a, a fairly uncommon uh, way of consuming video games. I feel like most people, or a lot of people anyway, in my experience, tend to get far more invested in the character and story of a video game than uh, than in other mediums. I mean, it's just it's just the way I've always done it. I've just it's never been. I've never wanted to be in that world. I've never wanted to be that character. That character mm. is that character, and it's I'm 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 not delirious. It's a fantasy. It's not a real thing. <laughs> I never fell into the point where it felt like those worlds, like I was a part of them. And there's nothing wrong with okay. getting that invested. It's just never a way. Like that's why when people ask me who's your who's your Final Fantasy waifu, I was like, I don't have one. Like I don't. Sure. Those they're I, th- that's not a person. Like <laughs> sure. But you don't you don't feel that people who do have that sort of attitude are necessarily delirious. No, I don't. It's just that okay. I just can't get invested in it that way. 
I'm, I'm aware okay. of where my reality begins and ends. And in no okay. way, shape, or form does it extend past the screen that I'm playing it on. All right. So there are no games that you find yourself playing as a means of escapism. I wouldn't say that, but my version of escapism isn't to be a part of their world. It's just to not have to deal with the reg with the social tropes of of our world. Like, you know, going okay. going like walking into a bar and having people give you dirty looks. That doesn't happen right. in a game. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, okay. 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 So that you yeah, you are getting that sort of experience of escapism, but it's just to a I guess a more pragmatic degree rather than a complete, you know, immersive forgetting who you are sort of degree. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, a lot of people would insist, right, that escapism and, uh, and fantasy in particular, they have no place in the life of a self-respecting adult. I'm assuming that you disagree. I with very much disagree with that. Every, <laughs> see, here's the thing. A lot of adults won't admit it. I feel, but they they always want to get away from whatever bullshit they're dealing with. They just don't, sure. they, a lot of the times morals kind of stand in the way of that, but it's like, mm -hmm. it's just a matter of how far you take it. Like, does it, does okay. it ever get to a point where it's unhealthy? Where like, if you have a, if you're in a relationship and you're ignoring said relationship because, um, you're just trying to be generally, um, taken away from all your other responsibilities, a relationship is a responsibility. Do you include it? Sure. Do you include it in that list of things that you're trying to not have to deal with when you decide to escape into a fantasy realm? Mm. Or is it, you know, or is that not an issue? You know? Um, okay. So there, that's, that's really the one big thing that I feel like it can cause a problem with. Right. So problems aside, what function do you think that uh, that escapism and fantasy should play in the life of an average dude? The same thing that you, why you would watch a comedian, you know, or why you would watch your favorite, why you have your favorite TV show. It's just it's something that you have. There's no personal responsibility. Now that's why a lot of people sure. with MMOs they don't like necessarily you know rating or anything that's high octane or intense. Because there is a sense of personal responsibility. As soon as you're playing a game with other people, especially like an MMO, um, they have some level of dependence on you. And for a lot of people, mm -hmm. that's more than they want to do when they're playing a video games. They'll stick to single player games. I myself always like the idea of cooperation, successful mm -hmm. cooperation, and um, overcoming a challenge. Those are I, okay. I, I get I escape everything else. By doing that, which sounds really strange because I'm not trying to escape res uh, responsibility, but I want what I'm responsible about to be something I'm interested in in the first place. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Now, as a, as a streamer, as a YouTuber and as a streamer, do you ever think of yourself as a, a facilitator or an enabler in some way for other people's escapism and fantasy? I think that Twitch broadcasting as a general, uh, as a general thing, it, it acts as mm -hmm. the modern day version of what I got out of Final Fantasy XI, where people want to feel like they're part of a community. People want to feel like they're in a place where uh, they can be themselves around other people. And a Twitch, mm -hmm. a Twitch community, while it's not always true, because you're always going to have you know, situations, like I said, where you don't get along with people, you're far more likely to get along with people in a Twitch broadcast or being the same people who watch a YouTube series or something, or even just watching a Netflix series, whatever. doesn't matter what you're doing. You're creating a, a common ground with people. So okay. I do feel like I facilitate that. Um, and I want to, because I, I want people to have a place like I did growing up where they can go and where they don't necessarily have to feel like people are judging them. 
you're always okay. Like you're always going to have some sort of quip about you that just doesn't click with other people. Um, mine is probably my laugh and my general my general carefree attitude because my laugh is atrocious. Sure. People hate hearing my laugh. Um, <laughs> but my general attitude, where it's like it doesn't affect me. I I, I don't care. You know, right? Um, it's not worth me caring about. So it's it's the Mr. Happy brand. You take it very literally. Yeah, I I, I literally want to be as happy as often as possible. When I smile, okay. I want it to be a genuine smile. I don't want it to be a fake smile. Okay, and I think that definitely uh, that definitely rubs off on people. People can tell, you know, which broadcasters are being sincere and which ones are effectively acting. Right. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes they don't care. I mean, for example. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying this is bad. I'm going to use a broadcaster as an example. Uh, Future Man Gaming. Mm -hmm. You know, Future Man Gaming is what he has created as his persona. But people know sure, that. He's a character. Yeah, he's a, he's yeah. a character, you know. Um, he is great at what he does. He's incredibly entertaining. And the guy himself is incredibly humble and incredibly uh, grateful for everything that he has. It doesn't take anything away from who he is as a person. It, but his mm. brand is that character, Future Man Gaming. It's not, his, it's not him as a person. You know what I mean? Okay. So. That's just not what I do. I like it to be me as a person. It's just my preference. There's no right or wrong in that sense. All right. Okay. Now, how do you think that uh, that your history with these old, uh, I guess, real life social anxieties, how do you think that they, they've affected you as a content creator and particularly as a streamer? Um, so the two biggest things and their problems that I had to overcome is I wasn't used to having so many people uh, care about what I say or what I do. Okay. Um, so one of the biggest things was, uh, criticism. It was really hard for me to accept criticism and, uh, I've been pretty open about that. I had very, very poor reactions in terms of just not like, I, I, I wouldn't consider myself a role model, uh, in a sense back when, um, I first started just because, mm -hmm. uh, I had an incredibly tough time. Somebody had something bad to say. I didn't want to take anything in or I would take too much in. It was it was a mix of the two. It, it just depended on what sure. mood I was in. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, do I need to completely remake this from scratch, or do, and then I want to just pander to those to the people who have the criticisms. And then there's also a and then some days I'm just like, fuck that. Uh, this is who I am, and it's what I'm gonna do. If you don't like it, get the fuck out. So it was like mm -hmm. it was just depending on the day. It was like different. So, uh, not, how did you deal with that? Um, I would say I didn't even overcome that till less than a year ago. And it was just, there's right. just a point where I, I just had to not care so much. I cared way too much about everything everyone had to say, except for the people that had that actually supported the channel or right. myself even. Um, and I had to, I just had to realize who was saying things out of general concern versus who was just saying things because they didn't like it. Like some people just mm. say things because they don't like it. They don't want it to improve. They just don't want to not like it. Yeah. And yeah, other people love something, but they want to see it be better. Okay. And I had to... And you need to work out how to identify those two groups. Right. I was... I had no good way of discerning the difference between the two i would just see criticism and it would either send me into anxiety or it would send me into a fuck you mode pretty much and right. either way it was i was i would not consider it role model friendly how how would you deal with that anxiety in particular um the anxiety is was probably the easier of the two to overcome okay. believe it or not really? um 
it was it was a it kind of I kind of combined the two. I went from a caring too much and a fuck you to a just a fuck it. Like, you know, I right. understand not everyone's going to like me kind of deal. So there's no reason to be anxious about it. I can't be worried about pleasing everyone. It's an unreal. Okay. It's unrealistic. As soon as I realized right. pleasing everyone was unrealistic, the anxiety was gone. But the fuck you mentality, and I don't know if I'm not supposed to be using language here because you gave me <laughs> no direction whatsoever. Hey um, man, I don't I don't come on your show and and ask you what I can. I was gonna say, say. I just fucking speak my mind. I was gonna say, yeah. I hope you don't come on the show. But anyway, um, so Ayo. yeah, giggity. Anyway, moving on. Um, but when it came to that, uh, a lot of the times it was a lot of very harsh criticisms. It was a lot of trolling. I had a harder time dealing with that. Like people would come into the stream, and they would troll in some way, and I'd just like rally everyone, be like, yo, get, tell this guy to get the fuck out of here. Yo, fuck this guy. And it was like it was not a very pleasant experience for everyone. Yeah. For I feel at least for everyone watching. Sometimes people get really hyped behind that, but I didn't want that to become my brand. Like, sure, I look yeah. happy and I'm smiling, but because it's a witch hunt, isn't yeah, it? it becomes a witch hunt exactly. Um, and that Twitch, by the way, does not like that. They've never told, they've never warned no. me, but they do not. No, no, they no. do not like that. <laughs> not one bit. Luckily, I never got in any issues with them because it would always just be like a user who was trolling. It was never like I would go and like find someone's YouTube channel and be like, yo, see this YouTube channel? Fuck this person. Go go, just dislike all their videos. Like they mm -hmm. like that's really more along the lines of what they don't like. But this would be like yeah, some yeah. random guy who showed no respect to the channel in the first place. And I would just be like, OK, fuck this guy. But it was still not a pleasant thing. Like it wasn't something that people enjoyed minus like a handful of people and I would again listen to those handful of people that look like they were enjoying it and not think about the people who were just like come on man like that's a, that's enough like we get it now this it's a problem that I feel like a lot of new streamers have to face and overcome at some point is you know trolls and, and negativity and sort of finding your own I guess self-confidence in between trying to please absolutely everyone do you think it's just a matter of of time of just sort of waiting it out and uh and building i guess those uh i guess those walls naturally or do you think that there's something that you need to actively do as a streamer to to improve the way that you deal with that sort of feedback um one thing i like to do um when i was trying to overcome it is i would go back and watch myself mm -hmm. and be like am i enjoying watching this no, then I then set the example, you know, right. if you can't watch yourself do it, why would anyone else? Do you do you still watch yourself? Yes, I have. To, I mean, I kind of have to because of, you know, I make YouTube videos, but that's more yeah, of, obviously when you're at a lot of the yeah. times it's more of listening to something I've I've preordained, you know, so it doesn't uh -huh. have the same impact. But I, I, I actually like uploading old Twitch clips more often now, not because it's an easy excuse to have a YouTube mm. video, but it you see yourself in kind of a more natural environment without having to, you know, you're not, you're not censoring yourself. You're, there's no, there's no script to follow. You're getting to sure. see what you're like with no sort of self contained supervision or anything. Right. And if you can't enjoy that person that you're seeing behind the camera like that, and that's you, then you very clearly have some work to do. And that kind of incentivizes, and that, at least for me, incentivized me to be less of that person. But really it all came down to at one point, I just, I saw how self-destructive it was and how I was mm -hmm. doing more damage to myself than the people who I thought I was, you know, damaging their reputation. I was just damaging my own. 
So okay. uh, I eventually just decided, hey, if I just make a video that's unscripted and I speak my mind about how this torments me, it'll probably be a lot better. And it has been since then. Not perfect, but it's been better. Okay. All right. Now, everything you do on YouTube and Twitch has a very, very strong sense of community, um, both with the Mr. Happy brand and with the, the Dream Network more broadly. Do you ever think of your career as a way of paying forward the opportunities afforded to you by being part of a, a similar community when you were younger? Um, I like to think that a little bit. Uh, in all honesty, the reason why I got into broadcasting is not at all why I broadcast now. I mean, the ultimate goal is still there, but I, I see that it was like a really difficult goal to reach. I got into okay. broadcasting because of charity, actually. I mean, that's how I got my YouTube following. That's how I got my Twitch following is because I helped raise sure. money for the Save the Children Foundation. Yeah, with the, thing. with the ultimate goal of being able to have a sustainable living off of it while doing nothing but raise money for charity. So like basically right. wow. subs and YouTube income pay for livelihood while um, – there's never a personal tipping button on Twitch. It is strictly a chair, a charitable tip button. That was the end goal when I first started. Right. And it, it, in all honesty, if a company said we'll pay you a hundred, a hundred fifty thousand dollars a year to do that right now, I would say fuck yeah. <laughs> I would. I will, if if we give you one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, can you do nothing but raise charity money for charity year round? I'd be like yeah. Well, to be fair, your uh, your tips in uh, in Twitch are still generally charitable you try to at least put them back into the community yeah because in no way like here's it's really weird i've worked in the in the food industry i've worked as a t as a as a server and you receive mm -hmm. tips in that industry and it's like yeah you know that's normal whatever when i get tips on twitch i do not feel good about it necessarily i feel like uh why <laughs> see that's interesting because like you say in hospitality when you get a tip you're like oh i must have done something really right you know i've earned this yeah, I never, I never for a second think that I've earned anything because I feel like the second that I feel like I think I've earned it, I'm gonna want want it more. Oh, I, I deserve, mm. I deserve more. They should be giving me okay. more. Whereas I, if I keep this mentality, it's uh, I'm grateful for everything and I respect right. that where it comes from, it needs to go back into that. Right. Okay. It's not like I want to get off. Oh, that's that's why when people say I'm gonna give you a hundred dollars, go buy a steak, I go no. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope. I'm not doing that. I will buy a steak. I will just not buy it with the hundred dollars that you gave me. Uh, and that's dude, a hundred dollar steak. Oh, I've had a hundred and seventy dollar steak. Wow, that was for Mel's birthday. We had it was called a tomahawk steak, a forty ounce tomahawk. Oh steak. yeah, right. Yeah, you told me. That. Yeah, Holy it was that was a hundred and seventy dollar steak. The manager comes out and cuts. It for Where you. was that? Uh, Roots Chris. Roots Chris. That's in L.A. Well, it's a chain. It's a steak chain in the United okay. States. I don't know if it's in oh, any place right. else. Okay. Um, but yeah, they do really good steaks. Uh, and that was uh, that was for her birthday when we were at PAX Prime last year. Uh, but and another thing with the the tips is um, when I look at my income, none of my income is stable, right? Of Not course. a single yeah. cent of it is stable. Actually, yeah. I think Changes that I, month even month. YouTube, while it's probably the the most stable, you know, I create content. I get paid. People don't need to pay anything. I just get paid off of it, which is why I, I sure. fell in love with YouTube in the first place because nobody had to pay a dime yeah. for yeah. the channel to, to make videos. Um, and yeah. that's why I've never wanted to like 
require YouTube Red or do Patreon only videos or things like that. Like, For sure. Because it's like that defeats the whole purpose of why I like YouTube. When it comes to Twitch, yeah. I don't want to ever say I need to earn $800 in tips this month. I need to earn $800 in tips every month. I need mm -hmm. X amount of this. I need Y amount of that. Because then the entire stream becomes about that one thing and it becomes less about right. the community and everything else. And that's why even yeah, trying to yeah, get yeah. to a thousand subs, I, I tried to, I made sure to shout it out, but I yeah. never wanted it to be what consumed the stream. Although when it does consume yeah, the stream, you just got to let it happen. Yeah. I mean, so, and then when it happens, it usually does consume the stream, but you're not saying that like, Oh, it did. When you hit 1000 yeah. in the fucking hype, that was amazing. That was like a really amazing thing to watch. Yeah. But I mean, when it comes to that, I look at subs, it's weird. A sub is basically a $5 tip that Twitch takes a portion out of. That's what a sub is. Yeah. But it, it, yeah, I yeah, look yeah. at it completely different than if I were to get a $5 tip. I don't know why. I just they're too they just they they register in my brain probably because I can track the amount of subs that I get sure. and I tips while I can track them I can't set an expectation for them um, they're always well, extra. I guess it's just weird As subs subs are the only place I go okay I must have done something right when I get a tip I don't feel that way I don't know what it is well I guess that with subs you know that the person who's subbing is motivated by the fact that they're into what you're doing they're picking up what you're putting down whereas tips a little bit more ambiguous it can be like why why is this person tipping and sometimes they tell you and those tips feel good like hey just wanted to throw you yeah. a few bucks I love what you do etc et yeah 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 sure. those tips are you know you don't feel bad after a tip like that the person has very clearly given you a direction of why yeah. why you have earned that whereas some people sure. just do it to get the friggin of the text of voice to do brain power for the next minute and a half <laughs> it's a very different experience so it's funny and it's like cool i made five dollars yeah. but like that's they didn't like what a waste of money and i seriously look yeah, at it sure. i look at it when i see a tip of that kind of and that level i go that seems like a it's just people's disposable income yeah, yeah like it seems like that money could have been better used and i use this as an example for charity for example like that mm. could have fed a that could have fed a kid you know what I meant? For sure. As opposed to, yeah. think about it. You just spent $5 to go out when you could have put food in someone's mouth, pretty much. Yeah. Well, that's an admirable attitude. Now, being, being a streamer, I kind of think of it as kind of like being a barber in that people often come on and want to sort of unload onto you to some extent. So I imagine, and I have, I have seen in your chat from time to time, you get, you know, some young people tuning in that are struggling with things like anxiety, uh, depression, other conditions that makes it difficult for them to interact with people in the real world in the same way that they feel comfortable with interacting with people in MMOs or other online environments. Do you tend to give any sort of advice to those kinds of people? I, well, first of all, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not anyone who's of licensed course. to give advice. And I like to I like to say that because they my word should not be taken as the Bible. You know, of course, I, I am no authority in it. Um, but what I like to I the only thing you, that I can realistically tell them is what I did. There's like that's it. I can't say this is what you should do. I can tell you this is what I did. Because that's speaking from experience and that's speaking from an earnest place as opposed to just looking at their scenario and going, well, if I was in your shoes, maybe I would do that. That's not advice. That's nothing useful. That's that's them. That's you trying to direct them in a way that you have no experience in. So sure. uh, if they have advice, if somebody comes in and they say, um, you know, had a really shitty day, you know, just want to relax. The first thing I want to do is I want to give them some uh, – 
some positivity. So I ask everyone in the chat to, you know, spam emotes in, you know, for them. Uh, okay. And that sort of positivity is step number one and kind of pulling them out of that. Step number two is making sure that if, you know, there are people that have those kind of anxieties that you that you make sure they understand this is a place they don't need to be anxious by not kind of not ignoring them and kind of trying to direct conversation towards them. You don't want to be you don't want to give favoritism, but you sure. want when somebody is really having an awful day, you want them to leave that stream thinking, wow, that made my day better. Mm -hmm. Or okay. wow, that was helpful. Okay. I don't want to tell them what they should do psychologically, but if I can bring up their mentality, then they will probably have a better time dealing with whatever it is they're dealing with. Sure. Now, a lot of, a lot of people that are having these kinds of problems, uh, they seem to tend to use, I guess, talking about escapism again, they tend to use video games as, uh, as an excuse or as a buffer to keep them from facing whatever difficult situations they might be uh, having to face otherwise in life. Is there any advice that you could offer people to help transform their, their positive gaming habits? So being able to interact with people positively and connect with people and socialize with people in an online environment. Is there any way to, to use that as a catalyst for positive change in their real life? I, well, the biggest thing I'd say is, you know, people go to school, people go to work and they, they enter environments that are kind of ambiguous to begin with. The people that you interact with there are not necessarily people with common interests. And that's again, mm -hmm. why I think that people like going to these online places like Twitch streams, YouTube, uh, you know, MMOs is they, like I said, they're, they know where they're going. They know the kind, at least on some level, the kind of people they will interact with. And I think you need to then take that and wonder when you're doing things in real life, where are you going? What are you doing? Are you going to places like, uh, that have similar interests or are you going to just places mm -hmm. like, Oh, I'm going to a bar with friends. I don't really like the bar, but at least I'm getting out. Right. Or are you going right. to a convention, a video game convention where when you're standing in line with people and you know, somebody sees your friggin' Pokemon backpack and they go, Oh, have you played the most recent one? And all of a sudden people will say, Oh my God, this person must like Pokemon. I like Pokemon. Can I, I can, sure. I can spark a conversation with that. Uh, people are less shy in, in initiating conversation at conventions and that's um, that creates some level of social interaction that you can take back with you and with that positivity you can generally um, it generally just lifts your spirits and gives you sort of a direction like then all of a sudden maybe you want to work in gaming because it means you get to be around these people more you get to be around like-minded people more often try to direct your okay. try to direct your life in the direction of your interests it doesn't always work like that because sometimes you just got to do what you got to do like you got to you're, you're a teenager and you want to work in game but but you know what you need money so you go work at burger king like because right. that's an ease that's money in your pocket and it feeds your ability to go to things like conventions it feeds your ability to pay for the online games or to sure. uh to to point your interests in a place that makes you feel comfortable but it's all about not kind of hiding behind what your interests are because the places that you're currently affiliated with don't necessarily agree with it or understand it. It's about making sure that you go to the places where everyone's kind of probably dealt with that or there at least are similar interests between you and the people okay. around you. Okay. So you think it's about sort of approaching spaces with a, with a sense of purpose 
So I guess, you know, working that job in Burger King is if you're going there every day and thinking to yourself, hey, I'm, uh, I'm making money so that I can go to this convention and I can have this great time with similar people with similar interests. Do you think that that is going to make it uh, easier to cope with that otherwise tedious situation working in Burger King? It does for the time being. It's not a permanent solution. Uh, ev eventually, course. like, you need to move on and get out of that place. You can't do that for every – I mean, you could if it makes you happy. Um, but you probably at some point will not be happy with your life situation. <laughs> If uh, that's right. your, if that's what you've kind of cornered yourself into, and that could be hard to do because when you do something and it works and it feels right, and even if it's not necessarily the best move, it's hard to condition yourself to do something different. So mm -hmm. if you're working at this this low paying job, but you get to go to these conventions all the time, feels great. You no longer think about improving your life scenario. You think about the status. You think about maintaining status quo, and right. uh, that's not that eventually is not satisfying. So. Uh, it's got to do things that are self-fulfilling. You got to make sure that you're staying true to yourself on some level. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, any any closing thoughts about anything we've discussed today? Um, I think it's going to be interesting seeing more or hearing more people talk about this because it is easily one of the most varied experiences. Everyone's answer is generally different based on their experience. Everyone's, oh, no doubt. everyone has a different idea of what's right and what is wrong. Uh, and not everyone's going to think the way that I said to reverse things are right. Not everyone's going to think somebody else said it, but ultimately, uh, as long as it reaches somebody who does think the same way, that's all that really matters. So, uh, to the people who this has helped or who have listened to this and sort of enjoy hearing it or enjoy understanding it uh, or want to hear more, definitely be sure to listen to future episodes with Ethis. And if you ever are having a bad day, then uh, then you got to just come by the the happy stream and uh, and go. feel happy because that's all <laughs> that's what it's all that's about. All, that's what that's that's <laughs> in the name. That's in the name. Right. So you can find Michael, Mr. Happy Poveromo as Mr. Happy one, two, two, seven on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, MySpace, GeoCities, PO Box, GeoCities, uh, Cornhub. Uh, <laughs> what is GeoCities? GeoCities was, you know, oh, you make your own website with uh, GeoCities oh, I, in I, I only knew about uh, what was the one, the, the the Daddy's one. I don't remember the Daddy's. I don't remember what it was called. It was something Daddy's, and it was just. I don't remember. It was mm. it was a it was a hosting website for just. Well, you can find him there too, Mister Happy One Two Two Seven at Daddy's. <laughs> at Daddy's, Ooh. Haps, thank you so much for speaking with us today. It was a it was a real pleasure, and I think it's going to make an awesome pilot episode for the Lucid Grind. Thank you for having me. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. Excellent. For those of you listening at home, thank you for joining us. You can check the description below for other places that you can listen to the show in future, such as iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play Podcasts, if and when they stop restricting it to US and Canada, and uh, wherever else I think to post it. If you have any questions or thoughts about the show, do please leave a comment below. And if you have or know anyone that might have a compelling story worth sharing on the show, you can reach me via ethisffxiv at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe if you don't want to miss the next episode. But until then, I'm your host, Ethis, and this is The Lucid Grind. Awesome. Thanks, dude. That was really good. Yeah, that went really well. Yeah, that felt great. Oh, man. Yeah, I...